Welcome to Creative Biolabs, we offer custom contract research services and products, covering the entire process of CAR T-cell therapy development. In this brand new podcast series, we will show you everything you want to know about CAR T-therapy, including the mechanism, current applications, technology limitations, and potential strategies. Hope you will enjoy it. Hi everyone, this is Beth Miller, thanks for tuning in. Our guest for today is Dr. William Smith, the journal editor in the field of immunotherapy. William, thanks for joining us. Nice to meet you, Beth, and thanks for allowing me to be here. Adaptive cellular therapies for cancer and other diseases are rapidly becoming one of the hotspots in the field of biomedical research. Genetically modified chimeric antigen receptor T-cells, known as CAR T-cells, certainly offer new hope for cancer treatment. However, this therapy is accompanied by serious adverse events, which limit the wide application of CAR T-cell therapy. Today, we will focus on the latest and relevant basic science on the use of adaptive cellular therapies. Why don't we start with the landmark research results of CAR T-cell therapy, William? That's exactly what I was thinking. The first results using CAR T-cell technology were obtained from clinical trials conducted between 1997 and 2000 on patients infected with the human immunodeficiency virus. These studies provided proof of concept for this technology and served as the basis for its ability to be applied to other diseases, such as cancer. In 2006, the initial reported cancer-specific CAR studies used transgenic T-cells in patients with renal cell carcinoma or ovarian cancer. Since then, there have been many basic and clinical research studies that have improved CAR T-cell technology to make it more effective and feasible for use in patients with a variety of cancers. As CAR T-cell technology has been upgraded and widely applied in cancer treatment, are there any challenges in current CAR T-cell therapy? CAR T-cell therapy still faces several problems. For example, it is unclear what is required for the technology to specifically fight tumors. Whether targeted tumor antigens can be expressed in normal tissues also needs to be further explored. In addition, whether tumor antigens that are selectively overexpressed by tumors but still expressed in normal tissues can be targeted remains to be determined. Also, the types of tumor cells that are sensitive to CAR T-cells, the optimal source of effective T-cells, or the so-called tumor-infiltrating lymphocytes, and a more optimal strategy for retargeting chimeric antigen receptors all need to be elucidated. Resolving these issues is critical to the full development of adoptive cell therapies. And clinical trials are necessary to address these uncertainties, as in vitro trials and animal models do not always provide the means to resolve these questions. It is well known that, conceptually, the chimeric antigen receptor design allows genetically modified effector immune cells to acquire novel target specificity. So, what requirements should the genetically engineered immune receptors used in chimeric antigen receptors fulfill? These receptors should have at least five elements. The first is the target binding domain, which usually consists of light and heavy chain peptide sequences from single chain antibodies. This domain can be replaced by other receptor ligand molecules with sufficient specificity and affinity. The second element is the hinge domain, which provides flexibility to the target binding domain, allowing it to bind the target antigen without steric hindrance. In addition, a genetically engineered immune receptor requires a transmembrane domain. 
This is essential for the chimeric receptor to cross the plasma membrane and remain attached to the effector cell. Moreover, a major signaling domain normally derived from the T-cell receptor is also required. The last one is the co-stimulatory domain, which is responsible for stabilizing and amplifying the activation signal and enhancing the proliferation and long-term survival of CAR-expressing T-cells. I see. Could you please give us some examples of such co-stimulatory domains? Sure. Taking the cytoplasmic domains of CD27, CD28, CD134, CD137, or CD244 as an example, among them, the cytoplasmic domain of CD28 has been demonstrated to induce the expression of interleukin-2, making T-cells relatively resistant to suppression by regulatory T-cells. In addition, chimeric antigen receptors constructed with the cytoplasmic domain of CD137 apparently have enhanced in vivo persistence, anti-tumor activity, and enhanced transport to tumor cells. Then, contact with tumor cells carrying target antigens induces cytokine production, proliferation, and expansion of CAR-T cells in vivo. You just mentioned that chimeric antigen receptors typically have target-binding domains derived from single-chain antibodies. Why not use the standard T-cell receptor? The use of targeting domains derived from single-chain antibodies has several advantages. For example, this improved binding affinity and specificity for antigens instead of peptides presented in the context of MHC, which are typically recognized from the standard T-cell receptor. In addition, chimeric antigen receptor recognition is independent of MHC processing and presentation of antigens in contrast to T-cell receptor-based recognition. These antigens may be lost on the surface of tumor cells that have escaped host immune surveillance. However, chimeric antigen receptors derived from single-chain antibodies could not target intracellular molecules that are not expressed on the cell surface. Thus, some chimeric antigen receptors come from engineered receptors that target peptides presented by the MHC or T-cell receptors. Are there different types of chimeric antigen receptors? And what can we learn from those differences? Of course. What is generally accepted is that the first-generation chimeric antigen receptors have one stimulatory cytoplasmic domain, while the second or third generation have a stimulatory cytoplasmic domain and one or two co-stimulatory cytoplasmic domains, respectively. In addition, it has been found that adding a single co-stimulatory molecule can enhance the persistence, expansion, and other functions of T-cells. What's more, a third signal is usually required to achieve and maintain full activation of T-cells. A common gamma-chain cytokine receptor mediates this third signal. Coordinated delivery of certain cytokines activates this receptor that enhances the functions of CAR T-cells. By the way, the assembly of these domains and their interactions determine the specific characteristics and optimization of chimeric antigen receptors. Therefore, a significant amount of current research efforts are focused on defining the best chimeric antigen receptors for robust clinical responses without collateral toxicity. Thanks for your introduction to chimeric antigen receptors. We know that the native T-cell receptor complex signaling could theoretically also be involved in the signaling process. Based on this, can it be considered? Not really. The signaling process through the native T-cell receptor complex is prone to be impaired.
This suggests a lack of graft-versus-host disease in B-cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia patients who have received allogeneic T-cells modified to express chimeric antigen receptors. However, some researchers have proposed the use of gene editing techniques to eliminate the expression of native T-cell receptor molecules. The premise is that this will prove to be a problem in future clinical trials using allogeneic T-cells as a source of CAR T-cells. I got it. Then, my next question would be what is the most common strategy for transferring genetic material encoding a chimeric antigen receptor into the target cell? It can be achieved by viral vectors or by physical or mechanical procedures. Both gamma retrovirus and lentivirus are the most used viral vectors. Each virus must have the ability to integrate into the host cell genome, which is a prerequisite for long-term transgene expression. Lentiviral vectors also have additional advantages. They allow transgenes to be expressed in undivining cells and are potentially less immunogenic and can transport more genetic material. Won't inserting a virus into the genome disrupt essential genes in the host? The viral vectors used to produce CAR T cells have not been observed to have this so-called insertional mutation problem. In addition, viral vectors that are not integrated into the genome, such as adenoviral vectors, only induce transient gene expression that is not maintained in the successive generations of daughter cells. Therefore, gamma retroviral vectors or lentiviral vectors are the choices of most translation teams. And, the researcher's expertise in the vector system also determines the choice of the virus vector platform. Are there examples of non-vector-mediated transfer? Yes. Examples include transposon transposase systems, electroporation of plasmids, and in vitro transcribed messenger RNA. These vectors reduce the cost because they are easier to manufacture and produce. However, it is uncertain whether they can provide the long-term expression of transgenes required for effective CAR T-cell therapy. I see. What is the next challenge once gene transfer has occurred? Using stringent good manufacturing practice standards to generate large numbers of CAR T-cells is the next challenge. GMP standards are required to inject vector-modified CAR T-cells into patients. The first step in T-cell activation and expansion is to present the cells using antibodies, beads, or artificial antigens. The final step requires the addition of cytokines. Likewise, the selected methodology depends heavily on the expertise of the investigative team and the use of cytokines, which usually takes two to six weeks to obtain the optimal expansion. I learned that phenotype of T-cells to be expanded seems to be another noteworthy aspect. Does this make any sense? Absolutely. Aferis's products isolated from patients usually contain multiple subsets, such as naive stem cells, central stem cells, effector stem cells, and possibly memory stem cells. In terms of their ability to affect the cytotoxicity of target tumor cells, each subpopulation may be different. And they persist in the patient for a sufficient time to be clinically effective. Therefore, before infusion into patients, determining the optimal composition of the T-cell pool to be expanded and the phenotype of the final product will need to be evaluated in clinical trials. Taken together, a major challenge with CAR technology is the number of variables that need to be adjusted to produce products with repeatable properties across time and facilities. 
Finally, strict quality controls are necessary to closely monitor these biological products produced under GMP and conditions. We've talked a lot about the preparation of CAR T-cells for treatment. Let's go on with the following steps. After infusion, CAR T-cells have to home to tumor cells and exert cytotoxic activity. What are the key points in regulating this process? Chemotherapy or radiation therapy is used as a conditioning regimen before the infusion of CAR T-cells. The intent is to improve CAR T-cell trafficking, homing, and persistence by reducing the number of patients' lymphocytes, known as lymphodepletion, which has been reported to allow infused T-cells to take advantage of conditions that favor early stages of homing and proliferation. This process may be mediated by the inflammatory reaction of lymphoid and cancer tissues and depleting immune cells that could have complete resources. Finally, CAR T cells are engrafted and proliferated in an environment with appropriate concentrations of driver cytokines and tissue homing conditions. Additionally, the timing of CAR T cell infusion following the lymphodepletion regimen is critical and may determine the functional potential of the infused cells. Anyway, these engineered cells need to home to the tumor site, overcome the immunosuppressive signals generated by cancer cells and the tumor microenvironment, and persist or multiply to maintain effective immune surveillance against residual cancer cells. There is another question. How to determine the optimal dose of CAR T cells to exert an effective anti-tumor effect? In fact, most clinical trials base the dose of CAR T cells on body surface area or the patient's weight. However, other possibly relevant factors should also be considered, such as the extent of the patient's tumor burden, the type of conditioning regimen, the timing of CAR T-cell infusion, and the presence of cytokines or immunosuppressive factors in vivo that may enhance or diminish CAR T-cell function. So, what about the distribution and expansion side of CAR T-cells? Maybe you can also elaborate a little bit here? Yeah. Based on the tracking technology, T-cells appear to be distributed in organs with high perfusion rates, such as the lung, liver, and spleen. This kind of distribution is only the initial stage, followed by the migration of CAR T-cells to tissues carrying target antigens. And CAR T-cells may be induced to proliferate upon incidental encounter with cells carrying target antigens. Sometimes, significant toxicity may be caused by biodistribution problems of CAR T-cells and off-target effects. Furthermore, the recruitment and expansion of injected CAR T-cells in or near the tumor microenvironment depend on several factors. These include microcirculation, expression levels of target antigens, and the expression of immunosuppressive checkpoint inhibitors of T-cell activation or proliferation in tumor cells. So, how will the persistence of CAR T-cells be affected? The development of an immune response in treated patients may also limit the persistence of CAR T-cells, thereby limiting the potential of retreatment with the same CAR T-cells. Single-chain antibody binding sites are generally murine in origin and may be more immunogenic than those produced by humanized antibodies. In addition, the chimeric receptors may produce new antigens that could be targeted by the patient's immune system. More recent studies suggest that new technologies using bispecific target binding or co-transduction of cytokine structural domains to CAR T cells will allow enhanced trafficking, homing, and persistence of these steps. This sounds wonderful. Overall, adoptive immunotherapy using CAR T cells represents a tremendous advancement toward effective cancer therapy.
overcoming the challenges associated with the use of this new technology should optimize the use of these powerful new weapons against cancer. Thanks for your sharing, and it was nice talking to you. So, I guess we will end here, and hope you and our audiences have a great day. Thank you very much. Have a great day.